Hey everyone, hey and welcome back to yet another episode of Alpha Metallica. This is the 50th episode, uh, the 50th song episode I should say. I mean we're a little bit ahead of ourselves in terms of recaps and top 10s etc. But yeah, this is the, we're halfway to the century, essentially a third through the show. And I thought, just before we dig into today's song, which how great by the way that it's For Whom the Bell Tolls as the 50th song. I mean, I'm not into numerology or whatever and you know, by all means, song 100 could be Ronnie or some shit like that but you know it's very cool that this is number 50 because I think everyone agrees this is one of the greatest Metallica songs of all time I should say as well today I'm going to be going solo pretty much always have a guest on the show but uh going back to the old days I think this is maybe my third or fourth song that I've done solo unfortunately the guests couldn't come through and I thought we'd do a slightly different show anyway so I want to kind of um just say thank you to everyone that's been involved with the show, everyone that's been listening to the show as well, just before we get into today's song. But just before I actually do that, please get in touch with the show. If you want to come on and do a song, metallicapod at gmail.com. Um, you know, we've got a lot of things booked up. We've got pretty much 2018 essentially booked up, bar a few songs. And probably songs people aren't really going to be interested in. But if you want to do Just a Bullet Away, or Killing Time, or Little Dog, or Man Unc- You know, you see what I'm saying here. I think Man Unkind might be taken, actually. But, you know, so those sort of songs are taken. But, you know, if you want to come on in the future, do Shoot Me Again. Um, you know, do Remember Tomorrow. Email me, metallicapod, as always, at gmail.com. If you want to do a show as well, if you want to do some sort of you know, historical exploration, always down for that as well. Please get in touch with me on Twitter as well, at metallicapod. We've got the Patreon. I want to give a huge shout-out to Sam B., who's a new patron. Thank you so much, Sam. Thank you so much to everyone that donates on the Patreon. As I always say, it's essentially a, a pay-per-view, a premium service. So all the episodes, including this episode, any other episode, goes on the uh, Patreon first. So you can listen to it there. You can uh, view it as an unlisted link. Uh, get in touch. Please also leave a review on the iTunes page. Uh, greatly appreciated. And uh, yeah, comment, share, subscribe, all those generic YouTube stuff. So just before we get to bells, I want to just say, you know, I appreciate you guys massively. Um, this is the 50th episode of the show. I can't believe where time has gone. It has gone, you know, so, so rapidly fast. And the show is nothing without the guests. I've had so many people on the show and I've loved every single one. So yeah, here's a very indulgent thank you to everyone listening. So thank you to Alex Cottrell, uh, who came on for Ain't My Bitch. That was the first proper episode. Obviously, 2 by 4 was the was the intro episode. He's came on for other songs as well. Andre Vasilenko, Dave, Martin Popoff. I don't know if you remember that episode, who's the um, Canadian music journalist. Had him for Am I Evil? Uh, we had Sam Wiles, who we went on to do the music vid stuff. My good friend John Moore came on to do Anesthesia, Pulling Teeth. It's kind of nice early on. I just had friends because the show wasn't really too established. Uh, Brady, I've had back on the show. Paul Brannigan, which is an episode of the show that I think's under listened to. Um, he wrote Birth School Metallica Death with Ian Winwood and also the follow up Into the Black. Those are fantastic, dual volume, very intelligently written. So I have Paul on. Colton Lane came on for Atlas Rise. Eddie Boyer had on. Ryan Curley, one of my oldest friends, came on for Battery. Clint Wells, the man Clint Wells, the legend Clint Wells, came on for Better Than You. Then an Ethan Luck on for Blackened. Fleming Rasmussen, I've got to give a huge thanks to as well. God, there's been a few guests. There's been a few guests, you know. This has been a very fun ride. Seb, Seb came on for Bleeding Me. Uh, uh, Blitzkrieg's very own Brian Ross to discuss the Blitzkrieg song. That was a fantastic episode. John Whitmore came on for Brandenburg Gate. Nick, my man Nick, came on. Joe C.A. came on for Brady fan, thank you so much, guys. Logan, Logan, who's a great friend of the show. Uh, Andy Hall as well. John Sturm. We would go on to do series on the show together, continuing now. So huge thanks to John. Are you bored yet of all these thanks, dear listeners? Or are you just listening out for your name because you've been on the show? Uh, Ian K came on for Commando. Uh, we had uh, Nicholas Kazoom on for Confusion. Garrett Brooks. 
Adam Dean's, like, you know, it baffles my mind, really. Like, when I initially did the show, I wanted it to be me and a friend doing all the songs, but then he was a bit, like, didn't really want to, he wasn't really, like, a podcast guy, and, you know, he sort of said, maybe do it with other people, and I had floated the idea in my head, but I didn't think it would work. I didn't think people would get in touch, and how fucking wrong I was, really. Um, countless, countless, every single guest has been fantastic, has been, you know, competent and delivered an excellent episode. I'm always really happy with the content, so, yeah, thank you to all you guys that have been on. Thank you also to uh, Nick, Nick Makoviak, uh, Luke Senegi, we had Emil Wickman, who I think is the young, oh no, he's not the youngest person. He was about, I think he's about 14, 15, Emil, but we'll get to the younger person soon. Uh, we also had Kieran Hughes on for Damage Inc. That was a really good episode. Alex Finney, thank you so much, Alex, I know he's a patron. Joe, Joe Haddock with a Dirty Window. Joe actually sent me his, um, you may remember he mentioned that he'd sort of done a cover of Dirty Window. So we'll get to that. And we'll also get to his email as well because, um, I've been asking at the top of the show for people to get in touch with me as well. Let me know what you think about songs. Um, don't send me anything for Four Horsemen, which is the next song. I've already recorded that episode with Jason. Fantastic episode. Really enjoyed that episode. You guys are going to really like it too. But um, any feedback you've got on Frantic, any anecdotes, any condolences, uh, you know, what do you make of this song? Email me, metallicapod.gmail.com, and uh, I'll read those out. Just so I'm going to read out a few bells once. After the rest of these plaudits, uh, we had Nick Graham on for Disposable Heroes, Danny Santana, Bob O'Rourke, Russell Shostak, God, this is give me goosebumps right now thinking of all these great episodes thank you so much guys and thank you everyone for listening as well and thank you for being patient as I go through this, this is the final page um, Tommy Trinkler was great we had Lucas Souza all the way from Brazil Dan Moyle Chaos Ware, who of course covered the Alpha Metallica theme on his channel. Kevin Van Damme for I Behold, a great episode. Aiden came on for Cunning Stunts. We had Liam the Heavy Metal Kid for Fight Fire with Fire. You may remember Liam, the nine-year-old. That was a really good episode as well. Um, and yeah, I think that's about it up to this point. I guess I'm going to thank Jason and future guests, but you know, maybe you guys will hate that episode. I don't think you will though. Really, really enjoyed that episode. So yeah. Thank you, everyone, and thank you, everyone, for listening as well. Alpha Metallica is, as I say, about a third of the way through. I think Metallica have about 150, 160 songs. Who knows? It's very likely that in the next two years or so they'll release an EP or an album, and we'll add to that. But I'm loving doing the show. Uh, you know, it's a nice antidote, really, because I do other podcasts that are a bit more long form. And it's nice every week to just have half an hour of a guest and just go through, you know, some fucking thrash metal. And I love doing that. So just before we get onto today's song, as I say, I did put the call out on the previous episode. For whom the bell tolls? What does this song mean to you? You know, what do you enjoy about it? What are your memories? And I got two uh, great messages. Well, three actually. I got two from one person. Uh, and we'll get onto the messages right now. Just a quick message from Alex. Said, 40 years of playing it live. Lars still jumps from his stool to play those big Tom hits as the song is winding down. He always looks a bit winded after the song. Yeah, you are right. It does take him out of him. And um, 40 fucking, you, you're right. I, I can't believe the song is that old and it's so vital and compositionally so, so brilliant. So yeah, Alex, cannot agree more. Okay, so, and the next message has come from Joe. Uh, Joe Haddock came on the show to do Dirty Window back in December. You may remember, really enjoyed that episode. He says, Hiya, Tom. I was at the University of Derby just this Saturday and was in the music department for the applicant day. I told the two lecturers who greeted me that I play four instruments, the main being drums, and they got me jamming with a student there who plays the bass. We chopped it up and I quickly learned that she loves Metallica as much as I do and has seen them twice on the Worldwide Tour. Anyway, the two of us started playing various Metallica songs together, including Sandman, Moth, Into the Flame, Hardwired, and we were just getting into whom the bell tolls when one lecturer came into the room and said you know i didn't have you down as a motorhead fan joe but you are playing ace of spades together 
well, I, I, this is just me jumping in, Joe. I don't know what sort of music lecturer is going to mistake Ace of Spades for Beltov, but, you know, regardless, that's, that's, that's British education. He must have mistaken it for one of the faster songs. The two of us then proceeded to play Ace of Spades, and we got most of it perfectly banged out in the first take, which was recorded by two of our applicants in the engineering room. This really impressed both of the lectures, one of whom was coincidentally the spitting image of Rob Halford. And I was immensely proud of myself afterwards as I returned to my parents in the canteen for the complimentary lunch of pulled pork and pizza. Doesn't this sound lovely? So, potentially, me playing for whom the bell tolls could butterfly effect in securing me a place at university, which, needless to say, would change the course of my life. Thanks for reading, Joe. And then Joe also asked if I had a slot for Whiplash, which I think I'll be doing at the end of Trump's presidency, which you know hopefully will come sooner, but unfortunately, uh, legally, at the end of his presidency. Um, so yeah, we'll be doing that one. And then Joe just got back in touch with me. and just, hello, Tom, it's me again. Uh, in my metallic way of life, I finally got the cover exported, finally. The levels are also ever so slightly not entirely perfect. With the hardware that I got, I don't think Bob Rock standards can be lived up to. I rearranged nearly the whole song, this being uh, Dirty Window, taking out the infamous A section, shortened it, had female vocals on it, played it in East Standard and reduced the distortion, all in an attempt to make it different from the original while also doing it justice. So Joe sent me this track and I'm going to put the whole thing at the end of the episode. So uh, let us know what you think of that. Anyway, Into Bells. Now, this is, you know, one of these songs, really, uh, from Metallica. I think if you ask any fan to rank their top five, I'd be very surprised if it wasn't in the top five. I just think the quality shines through. I think it's fantastic in so many, so many ways. I, you know, it's so anthemic and so memorable, so original. It's been played 1,418 times. It was first played live in August 3rd, 1984 in New York. It was last played two days ago, uh, me recording this, March 31st, 2018 in Vienna, Austria. So we begin with that ominous tolling of the bell. And I love the ambience it creates. I love that we get two tolls before that straight double punch in the guitar. The da-da, da-da, boom. Which is so incredibly simple, but matched with, um, you know, Cliff living underneath it, doing the do-do-do-do-do-do. It's not just that phrasing that he gets. It's the sort of Cthulhu-esque warbling that's happening. So you're having these hard, brash chords. You're having this interesting melody line paired with a sort of, you know, spaced out, monstrous sort of element. This, uh, you know, ethereal burble that Cliff is conjuring and there's the bell there as well you know it really gives a, a sense of dread a sense of excitement and you know Metallica are such a contrarian band because they I was aware of this title obviously as a fan and I remember I was on Amazon maybe I was like 13 14 or something sort of you know I studied English at university so I was sort of getting into literature slowly around that age and I wanted to read some Hemingway I was aware that Hemingway was an author you got to read incredible you know and I'd heard as well that he had a very pared down writing style which sort of you know appeals to me deeply so I saw it on Amazon I was like for whom the bell tolls by Ernest Hemingway and I was like holy you know being ignorant I thought he took the title from them sort of thing didn't really understand that this was this uh you know novel of um I haven't read it for many years I remember reading it at the time and not really getting it to be honest I read it on holiday in Turkey and I think I went to other graphic novels in the time being but if I remember correctly it's like a, a you know a novel of doomed passion amid political upheaval in the Spanish Civil War so you know it's interesting subject matter and, and whilst the lyrics aren't exactly incredibly faithful and maybe if you just gave the lyrics to a Hemingway scholar he wouldn't be like oh god this is written you know it wouldn't be that obvious but still it's taking the inspiration from that and it just plays into that nature of Metallica how they're always very arch to taste like this is 1984 this is when Jump and Hot for Teacher are on the charts and you know I know there was a lot of metal around at this time but even the metal that was around this time was maybe a bit more stereotypical you know going for your you know satanic worship or, or sort of you know uh, pussy pursuit 
using this as well just makes the energy different, makes the uh, atmosphere so much stronger and so much more vivid. And this song is very much like a, you know, a Frankenstein. It just has so much quality. Every section, I think, is almost better than the rest. So we have this, this opening section where the song sort of breaks open and really, really gets you into this world. And then we have something which... I don't know, normally in rock, when bands do this, I find it just, I, I don't like it, I, I think it's a boring technique, I think it's a waste of time in a song, where you get the bassist to play the upcoming riff, with the guitars doing something over the top, and then the guitars join in, but I think here, it is undeniably incredible, when Cliff is doing that, dung, 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 and when the guitar goes over, the chunkiness of it, oh my god, you can barely, barely get your teeth around that thing, it's just, it's just marvellous really, and um, that descent as well, like, which is harder to play than you think, Asia, because you have to move quick, with all your hands on the fretboard, without it sounding kind of scratchy, and you know, but obviously these guys are old pros at this, and then, Moving from that that section, the song takes a little break, and the song has lots of pauses. It has lots of breaths. It understands silence. Like you know, okay, there is some chugging with a da 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 da, but it's not that fast. It's not that frashy. You know, you would put this song maybe on a sort of Iron Maiden sort of almost new wave of British heavy metal layer, just because it kind of it's quite operatic, both in its subject matter and the way that it's put together. Then we get to the solo break, and you imagine if this was on Kill 'Em All, Kirk would have just done some mixolydian mayhem he would have just spazzed all over this song but no it's a very very basic you know six note you know it's a mantra almost um it does not change at all but it's way more gripping than if he was to just you know go up and down the fretboard you know and what i love um about this is that hetfield is creating a fertile backdrop with those chords, which are just essentially the verse chords. You know, we're getting a lot of uh, teases in this intro section. Similarly, the sort of final riff that will lead us to the first verse is, of course, the chorus riff as well. And, yeah, it's a long section. You know, all in all, I think it's about two minutes or so before we get any vocals. It's essentially sort of an instrumental going into the main song. And, yeah, I, I, I just, again, the, the sort of the, the changes here mean that the Kirk's lead is never boring. You know, it never feels redundant. There's always something going on, the relationship between the two things, and it just has this this march. And that bell is also ever-present in the background. Sometimes you forget about it because there's other stuff going on, but it's always there, tolling for ye. And then around the 1 minute 50 mark, we get into another classic riff. I remember learning this riff on guitar when I was very young. The da 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 You know, it's quite easy. Your fingers go in obvious places. Open, open, three. Open, open, five. You know, and I think the move to the C uh, power chord uh, being the, the sort of the first first root note on the A string, it just, yeah, it has, it has, it's very tasteful and it just moves you into this song and it's just, it's such an escalation. It's just continuing, continuing, continuing. And then we get into the verse itself where James sounds absolutely fantastic. I think, you know, his his vocals are terrific. His vocals aren't quite in that sort of, you know, black album commanding frontman era, but they are leaps and bounds uh, from Kill 'Em All, both for the, uh, the reverb that's been drained off the track, but just for the, the sense of this sort of Roman general before his troops that he has as well. And um, lyrics, are, you know, running through the endless grey, constantly asking questions, you know, why, who's to say, uh, stiffened wounds test their pride. And the way the song will just drop as well after certain lines to later gauge their true meaning. I was reading uh, an excellent book, Metallica, The Music and the Mayhem by Malcolm Dome and Mick Wall, who are of course sort of legendary authors, rock authors, Kerrang journalists, etc. And it's essentially sort of Alpha Metallica in book form, where they just go through every song and give a few paragraphs of opinion. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's always, always well written, always interesting. And I was looking through the um, Bells submission just before we went on, and they pull a lot of Morricone influence in here, which I can definitely see. And here's what they say. With For 
whom the quote with for whom the bell tolls, there were elements of Morricone's style beginning to creep into their own music. The time changes, the almost gothic acoustic sweeps. This is to be more heavily developed on later albums, and the band were even to sample one of Morricone's themes. According to Lars, it was James who had a particular fascination with the Italian master and pushed the band in this direction. See, I would have thought that would have been Cliff, but it's interesting it was James. Whatever, it made a pleasant change from just taking influences from the like of Iron Maiden, Motorhead, and Diamond Head, however worthy these bands might have been. I agree, Mick or Malcolm, whoever wrote that, I definitely agree. And it does have, I mean, you know, you uh, obviously the sort of the um, landscape of the novel plays a lot into this. And when you're sort of aware where it's coming from, this sort of, you know, the senseless combat that's going on, the, the, the blood-soaked fields, it just makes it all more irresistible. And then we get into the chorus as well, which, I mean, the title doesn't necessarily seem like the most, the, the, the easiest thing to sing, like, you know, but I guess because it's those single syllables, for whom the bell tolls, it's, you know, how, how can you not sing? Time marching on as well. And you get this, this pull throughout the song, you know, this sense of uh, momentum that uh, you really can't avoid. Because live, this is a staple, there's various changes that happen live. Um, you know, for instance, in in the beginning solo, Clark always plays a... It's kind of hard for me to sing in comparison there. But you, if you listen to him, he always goes a bit higher, always plays a bit of harmonic lines in there just to make it a little bit more intriguing. And then, you know, let's talk about, say, S&M or Nemes or pretty much any other Metallica concert. Everyone sings For Whom the Bell Tolls back to James. I remember especially the version on S&M, as I'm sure most people have heard it is so exciting to hear that the crowd just roar it out as well and James always going to absolutely and all that sort of stuff so uh yeah the synergy is uh, is intangible and James has such conviction here you know um he's not singing for much there's there's two verses two choruses the majority of the song as I say is taken up mostly by the instruments doing what they do you know when he sings take a look to the sky just before you die which is like one of the goat opening lines to a verse you really do believe it and uh Paul Brannigan and Ian Winwood Paul who I mentioned before who came on the show they mentioned this in Birth School Metallica Death which is which is another fantastic song saying quote the same might have been said for of for whom the bell tolls a tale of medieval men fighting to the death over a patch of land a sentiment accompanied by music of such quality that to this day remains a particular favourite Metallica's audiences and a of Metallica's audience and a staple of the group's live set. It is, though, somehow more than mysterial mu magisterial music that rescues a lyric. It is, though, somehow more than magic... Ah! It is, though, somehow more than magisterial music that rescues a lyric that might have been both brittle and daft. Here, the notion that James Hetfield has established an emotional connection between himself and the characters in the song is a difficult one to shake. I should say as well, I love the, the harmonies, guitar solos, but yeah, it just, again, sort of playing off that intro thing that Kirk does. There isn't really a solo on this song. I suppose you could argue the sort of noise at the end uh, sort of fills that niche there. But, uh, but yeah, love that moment as well. Uh, I guess my only criticism of this song, and don't get me wrong, this is like one of my all-time favourite songs by the band, and I can't really say anything bad about it. I think it's a stone-cold classic. It's just a certain repetition of words that bothers me only slightly. So this happens in the second verse, where he says, black and raw, massive raw. You know, we don't need raw twice within two syllables of each other. Maybe this is this is me just being a, a pedant. This is me being a wannabe poet, for example. But it's more noticeable on the final line. Now they see what will be blinded eyes to see. And again, I'm not too much of a fan of repeating C there but this is so minor like I'm not even going to take a point away for that I'm just sort of pointing it out what do you think about this let us know in the comments is that a problem for you it's not really a problem for me to be honest but I just noticed it it's a sort of show where we share little things that we you know think about these songs we love so uh yeah and then 
the song kind of cracks open, as I've said a lot on this show, whenever we talk about it on a solo thing. I love seeing this live as well, because it's always a bit different here. You know, it feels like a fault line in this sort of, you know, battle land has cracked, and, you know, Kirk's demonic warblings are like some foreign death cackles. That boom, boom, boom. You know, it feels so final. It feels so Sabbath. And, you know, I just yeah, can't get enough of this. I love that the last 30 seconds is just this sort of, um, you know just devilish noise and then the first two minutes are this instrumental movement and then we get the song in the middle and all in all time flies when i listen to this song i actually thought this song was shorter than it was i thought it was about four minutes actually five minutes ten and it just yeah it goes and goes and goes arguably the song ends around four minutes or so because we just get the sort of um playing here and there here and there but yeah for whom the bell tolls what more can i say about this track please let us know down below what you think of this song what your impressions are of this song you know, to me, it's one of the greatest songs ever written. I think a lot of people are in that boat as well. One final quote, because obviously it has been me on my own here. I hope that hasn't been too annoying for you guys. Um, is from Mick Wall. Mick Wall's book, Enter Night. Mick Wall, who I invited on the show, actually. And he said, no thanks. Which is fair enough, you know. He's a very busy man. But uh, it would have been great to get him on. And I want to, again, say... No hard feelings, Mick, because I think Enter Night is probably the best book I've read on Metallica. It's a very sort of by the book. It's not like uh, Ian Winwood and Paul Brannigan where they're a bit more sort of postmodern about it and they analyse the band within sort of, you know, budget and influence. This is more just a straight up, you know, he knows the band so well, Mick, and goes through it. I am going to do a show, I should say, in the future on books about Metallica. I mean, I was on Metal at Your Podcast. We did cover Back to the Front. Um, that was a really fun episode. You know, shout out those guys every time for letting me come on the show. But I would like to do a sort of you know look back there's, there's so many books though like i think i own a lot actually put on my instagram uh, read the lightning was the caption aren't i so clever and i'll probably have about 15 books on metallica when i start the podcast just want a bit of a binge buy but the problem is you buy these books and you get all you suggested in amazon and then there's like loads that i don't own you know john mciver i think did one and justice for let us know what are some good metallica books as well get in touch with me metallica pod at gmail.com if you know some good books but uh yeah in the in mick wall's book Actually, talking about bells uh, in the studio. After the extra time spent getting the guitar and drums right, it was a relief for Rasmussen to discover that most of the songs were already worked out. They had, quote, they had already really, quote, they had really rehearsed and arranged the demos, so they were pretty set. The only song they hadn't finished yet was one of the album's centerpieces, For Whom the Bell Tolls. We had one day where they kind of jammed it and finished. The bell in question was actually provided by the striking of an anvil. We put it on a back stairs when we recorded it. That was ridiculous, it weighed a ton. But Lars hit it with a metal bar and it sounded really good. That was before samplers, so we had to just make our own sounds. The back stairs was also where they eventually placed Lars's drum kit, right on the other side of the door. There's actually an apartment there now, so someone's sitting in the living room watching the telly in the spot where Lars played the drums. I think someone emailed me, get in touch with me. Someone did say that he, like, owns the studio or the apartment or something like that. We've been meaning to do an episode, so I should have so many people emailing me nowadays. Metallicapod at gmail.com. Get in touch with me, though. But seriously, thank you guys for listening. It's been episode 50. It's been a bit quicker. Um, because it's just been myself, you know, we, we've not got the sort of dialogue conversation going, but uh, it's an important song to cover. Thank you again to everyone I thanked. Thank you to everyone that's following the show. The show is growing, you know, uh, slowly but surely. Um, we had our best month in March, just by a few hundred downloads, but, you know, still, we had our best month in March, and... I, I love seeing, I love going on the stats and seeing like someone who's just binging 20 episodes and downloading them and stuff like that and, you know, haven't really listened back to the earlier episodes, to be honest with you. I should go back and see if I've uh, grew as a critic or perhaps more deformed than I, than I ever was. But uh, but yeah, this has been Tom, metallicapod at gmail.com. Get in touch with me on the email, of course, uh, at metallicapod. Please support on the Patreon if you can. Uh, that would be greatly appreciated. We've got the iTunes as well. Leave us a review on there. Comment, share 
subscribe, all those generic vlogger things. But yeah, this has been Foon the Bell Tolls. One of the greatest Metallica songs ever. I saw it live in Birmingham as well, and it was um, a transcendent moment, really, to see that one played out. So, uh, yeah, thank you guys for listening. We'll be back next week for Four Horsemen. We've got loads of cool stuff coming on the show as well. Uh, we've already got a fair few things recorded that are going to be coming out. Uh, I've had John Sturm on for a few episodes. We did um, the 2016 Bridge School Benefit, which is a really cool episode. We've also started a new series called The So What Files, where we are going through Metallica's magazine, pointing out interesting articles, funny stuff, and there's so much stuff that we never knew about and so much interesting things that reference like I just bought an issue actually of So What that we're going to cover on the next episode which is from the Summer Sanitarium tour and Kirk reveals he's a huge Steely Dan fan and tells anyone that isn't to fuck off and I agree Kirk I, I adore Steely Dan so I love you even more Kirk we've also got um Martin Martin came on the show he went to download in 2003 I didn't even know this happened when Metallica did a surprise show an awesome show and Martin was there front and centre loved that episode we've got loads of concert reviews coming up as well um um, the guy who does the Metallica Full Concerts 100 channel, you may be aware, amazing channel uh, that just collects all the bootlegs and all the historical stuff and yeah, invaluable resource. Um, he'll be coming on the show and we'll be talking about uh, the sort of summer sanitarium shows that James missed because of the jet ski incident, uh, particularly the Kentucky show at the Speedway. And yeah. If you've not seen those shows, check them out. There's a interesting version of Surge Tankian, um, pre-toxicity. So this is when System were big-ish, because, I mean, they're on the Southern Sanitarium tour, but not too big, doing Sanitarium and screaming it, you know, really putting their sort of new metal stamp on it and Corner there and all these various other guys. So uh, Power Man 5000, which I love finding out this band. Who are these bands? They're on the Summer Sanitarium tour, so they must have been interesting to a certain extent. Maybe they need to listen to them, get in touch with me. I am babbling now because I don't have a guest, so I've got no one to, uh, no one to stop me. So, yeah, this has been Tom. Metallicapod at gmail.com. Thank you as always, guys. Episode 50. This has been a treat. See you at episode 100, episode 150. I think there's only a few more after that. But uh, yeah, I really appreciate you all listening. Shout out to all the other Metallica podcasts out there as well. I love all you guys. This has been Tom. Thank you again. Peace.
Jack Jill well from my throat. 